Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A. FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. You're listening to highlights from the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. To hear the full show, download the podcast from iTunes or see 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. 1850-715-996 is the number. The text to WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email is opinion at 96fm.ie. We will have another round of the 10K toy giveaway, our last one on the opinion line, and we have had huge success over the two weeks of the 10K toy giveaway with lots of our qualifiers going on to win vouchers. Could be your last chance today from the opinion line, and we'll do that at half past 10. And listen now for the cue to call and the last opportunity from the opinion line to qualify for the draw with Lorraine on the big drive home happens in or around half past 10 for the 10k toy giveaway. It's a Christmassy feel today, four weeks on from today. So I kind of said we'll drop the main music. We'll give this a lash for 30 seconds. Four weeks today, we'll be probably up. Those of you with smallies will have been up since about half four. The rest of us will be falling out of our beds, looking for the sausages, and planning the day. Four weeks today is Christmas Day, and tonight, of course, is the toy show. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. Also, we'll have lots of fun because it's we're ch- checking out just what is going on on I'm a Celebrity. Like, what's this about? What is what? What are they? What are they at? What have they been Fill at this year? Can't feel my thumb. I don't. Anyway, plenty more to talk about during the morning. But of course, the serious stuff to start. And we don't actually know what will be said until it's said, because all of the newspapers this morning have conflicting information. But generally speaking, we're told that the restaurants will open next week. The restaurants and the gastropubs will open next week, despite the fact that the National Public Health Emergency Team has apparently, because no one's seen the letter, and it's important to stress this, no one has yet seen the letter from the National Public Health Emergency Team to the government and to the Minister for Health, advising what to do over the next couple of weeks. But what we speculate, it says, is that we shouldn't have the restaurants and the pubs open 
for the Christmas, that in actual fact all they should be doing over Christmas and New Year is takeaway, just like they've been doing for the last six weeks under Level 5. Now, what we believe is that the Cabinet is going to reject that and that at around 6 o'clock this evening, Micheál Martin will address the nation and tell us that the pubs and the restaurants will open around the 7th or 8th of December. The hairdressers, the shops, the gyms, the whole, they'll open next Wednesday, the 2nd of December, and then the pub, gastro pubs and restaurants to open on around the 7th or 8th. But the rules will change for the gastro pubs and the restaurants in ways we don't yet know. And it's a worrying and a confusing time for the restaurants and indeed for the pubs. Yesterday morning we were talking to Padre Cribben from the Vintners Federation of Ireland about the situation with the pubs. He was not a happy man. They're even less happy today. The restaurant sector, I think, are just frustrated by all the uncertainty. Claire Nash from Nash 19. Claire, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Is that the best way you? to sum I'm not too bad. Is that the best way to sum it up, Claire? Frustrated from the uncertainty. Are. Well, you started your show by saying there's a Christmas feel around there. Certainly is. It's Green Friday. It's Toy Show Friday. There's just a sense of, you know, there's definitely something going to happen. Um, on the other hand, we are waiting for the news, what's going to happen with us. But the good news is that the city centre will be open definitely for trading. And as far as the restaurants and the pubs and gastropubs are concerned in the city, we are delighted for them, for the retail sector. They've had um, They've had a very difficult year like we have. They're going to be open next Monday or Tuesday, hopefully, depending on what Mayhall says tonight or the Taoiseach says tonight. And as far as we're concerned, we're waiting. We are um, on our on our um, on our knees, really, as far as what can we do, how how are we going to do it? But there's one thing for sure, PJ. When they tell us tonight that we're going to open, we feel it's going to be the seventh. It's going to be three minus, or is it going to be three plus? We don't know. Um, outdoor seating and outdoor trading, obviously, for any restaurant at this time of year, would be um, challenging, would be difficult. What we have to remember is that we want to give Cork people a Cork Christmas, and I'm at it for 28 years. Yeah. Christmas is the time that I get excited. It's the time that our staff love. We are continually talking about being ready for Christmas or, you know, to the newer staff, you've no idea what you're going to meet at Christmas. And we want to roll out a good Christmas. We don't want to cause consternation in any way for, for an effort for the government. And the problem with it is, PJ, that we feel or that I feel is that it is the one time of year that people want to gather. They want to gather in each other's homes because yeah. that's tradition. They want to gather around your table, my table. They want to gather around our restaurant tables. And it's just going to be very tricky for us to roll it out. I think the brighter future that we have to look forward to is 2021. I mean, three weeks of trading is really going to do nothing for our bottom line. In fact, it's going to cost us money to open. You know, when you look at putting in all your stocks now, I got a delivery of wine yesterday from only one wine supplier and it was 2,200. I put it all out on the shelf and nearly started rubbing the bottles because that's what we like to do. And then you think, oh my God, you're probably not going to sell any of that or are you going to be allowed to sell it? But the reality is, we'll take what we get. Like, if you're in your place now, Claire, and and, and I know it well, of course, how many could you have indoors if you were allowed? Well, when we reopened back in July and August, which can can I add, we all traded very safely and traded well. Absolutely. We didn't have one incident of COVID-19 reported within my doors or on our entire street. And we worked shoulder to shoulder on this street. We are down 40% because we're fortunate enough, PJ, here in Ashantine that we have a back door. 
with yeah. good air conditioning, I'm going to leave that back door open. So that is going to be a whole section that probably nobody will want to sit in. I'm willing to forfeit that. But, you know, we don't want to cause any more issues. We want to trade safely. But the biggest thing is we want to get open and stay open. Yeah. So if we have to take more medicine now, I personally feel give it to us now, but please don't close us again because the stop start is excruciating. We have staff that are really upset at it. You know, it's very hard to wind yourself up for another match and then you don't get to play the match. Yeah. And then now we have to play the final in the last three weeks of Christmas with no training. Well, well um, I stressed and it's important to stress and I think listening to the media this morning, I don't think it's been stressed enough uh, this morning in that uh, we don't know exactly what is in the letter that Tony yeah. Holohan sent, yeah. sent to the government. Mm-hmm. But what we understand is that Neffet would prefer the restaurants just to stay doing takeaway right through Christmas and right through New Year with a view to the, the suppression idea Absolutely. into January yeah. and February. Yeah. And something else that Dr. Holohan is purported to have said was that we can have a choice. We can either have our Christmas at home with our families and a few friends, or we can have our restaurants and pubs open. We can't have both. Do you agree with him? I don't agree with him because I don't know enough about it. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a medical expert. But what I, what I agree is that the conundrum is just so tricky right now for the government. I wouldn't like to be going in this morning trying to make any decisions. There's no winners. We're not, you know, all we're trying to do is to beat this virus. We have a vaccine coming, Mary Horgan said this morning and so did Mike Ryan, that the vaccine isn't just going to be the wonder drug that just starts it all. We are going to have to continue with our safe protocol, our safe practice. We're operating businesses that are strictly controlled already and it is the marriage of people want to get out and mix and Christmas is the crucial. It's such a pity that this is the crucial crux of it, that it is the Christmas thing of the meeting, the greeting, the bringing people home, the having people in. Um, look, whatever it is, you know, I'm not about to tear strips of any effort or, you know, I've lost the will at it, really, you know, and just given up the fight for it. But what we'll do is our best and we can't wait to see customers come in in our doors. And whether they come in and they will come in in a very orderly fashion. We're going to open the book as soon as we know. We're going to take reservations. People understand. I mean, already when we traded in July and August, part of September, uh, you know, people know. I mean, we're all living with this on a daily basis. Yeah. But we do want to get out in the city. Like, the city looks gorgeous even this morning with no shops open. It's bright, it's twinkly, you know, it's crisp. It's just smashing like you saw last weekend. I mean, even last Saturday afternoon. Yeah. It was just such a great feel in the city. P- people so, have used the time that their premises were closed to do mm-hmm. a, a marvellous job on their windows. The windows are spectacular around town. Aren't they already? Marvellous, they're brilliant. Like when you look at Casey's, their window is Casey, like somebody but, said to me the other day that, you know, I wish that we could go to Fancy. And I said, oh, you can. I said, come up and stand yeah, at Casey's yeah, window and yeah, visit Fancy. Yeah. You know, so like the traders, we're all dying to get open. Yeah. We're not going to make money this year. This year is not about making money. This year is about just doing what we can do. And if some traders have to stay open, and PJ, there are, or stay closed, there are some of my colleagues won't be able to open yeah. because they physically cannot do a takeaway scenario. You know, as long as the government supports are still there for them, they will survive into next year and they will complement us all when we get going again next year. Bri- and- briefly, Claire, and finally, uh-huh. when we spoke and we did in the last days of March of 2020, yeah. Yeah. did you ever think we'd be having a conversation like this 
with a couple of weeks to Christmas? No, I did not because like, the iron pride was that we would behave ourselves and that we would get out well and that we would suppress this and you know, it was it was always it's always going to be Christmas. Like that's what we all look forward to. I mean people say that you do thirty percent of your business at Christmas. You probably do, but you know you know, you do about eighty percent of your goodwill at Christmas. You extend the hand of friendship, you give out the hand of hospitality. It's just that time of year that we love in our industry. But it's a different year, PJ. And, you know, let us, on, on the 1st of January, hopefully, put 2020 behind us, get on with what we have to do and just do it well. All right, Claire, leave it there. Thank you very much. Claire Nash from Nash 19. I want to take an illegal journey over the county bounds. I'm going to go past the guards. I'm going to ignore the guards and I'm going to go over the county bounds, sneak over the county bounds, Next. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396 96 96. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, just something coming through there. Michael Lahan, RT's political correspondent, has just tweeted that they now want to open the pubs and the gastro or the restaurants and the gastro pubs as early as the fourth of December, and that that's a hot topic at the cabinet table as we speak. The seventh was the original date. Neffet said, "Don't do it at all," but now it looks as if the government want to do it on the fourth of December, which would be, I think this day week. Let us take that illegal trip over the county bounds to a man, I think, who for the first time in the history of your restaurant, Paul Travolt, you've decided to close for Christmas and New Year anyway. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? How are you, sir? Very good, thanks. Very You're good. closing for Christmas and New Year. Yeah, we made we made the decision. i tell you what I did. The first time we were locked down in March this year was the first time in my life I felt I wasn't in control. It was somebody else who told me to shut the doors of the business and by mid-May we opened up a pop-up deli and I swore blind that I would never be in that position again of not being in control. So when they closed us on the 5th of October I said to the lads, guys, no worries, in two days we'll have our pop-up deli open again. And I said, but this time we're going to do it different. I have a load of space free in the restaurant. So I'm going to open it all up to all the local producers who are screwed as well. And I'm basically going to say, look, an APB out to whatever you produce, if it's local, if it's Irish, I don't care if Donegal is local as far as I'm concerned. I said, bring your stuff down here and I'm going to display it and I'm going to try and sell it for you so that you've got some form of income coming in. So we've about 15, 20 different local producers that have from jams, honeys, chocolates, all that kind of stuff. And I said to the team, we're doing this right up to Christmas Eve because I said, we've got three months to get ourselves organised. I don't think these guys, <coughs> excuse me, up in Dublin, have a clue what they're at, and I don't think there'll be a restaurant open this side of Christmas. This is back the 5th of October. So that's the decision we're making. Mm-hmm. And it was the best decision for nothing else but sanity, because at least we knew we were open, we were doing our pop-up deli, and we were doing it right up till Christmas. And, like, between the 5th of October to where we are today... There is absolute, it's just a cluster of a mess of what's going on out there. Now, like you just said today, we might be, or just a second ago, we might be open on the 4th of December. I couldn't be sitting at home wondering, am I open? Am I not open? Can I open for Christmas? What's the story? Am I being closed down again? So I just said, no, to hell, just do my pop-up deli from now to Christmas Eve. And your Christmas bonus this year, lads, is that we're all taking Christmas and New Year's off for the first time ever. 
Have you been able to hold on to your staff through every, this? Every single one of them. And there is, there's no doubt that this is, uh, this. we're not going to make a red cent out of this, nothing. And if it wasn't for the, the wage subsidy, I couldn't have done it. Uh, so you've got to be honest about that too as well. But I said to the guys, look, at least you don't need to worry about, are you on social welfare? Are you, what's the sort? I said, they're all on full pay. They've all got their jobs. And it's for sanity. We come in, we laugh with each other. We, we've, we're blessed. We have a brilliant team here. We laugh with each other. We joke around. We have a bit of crack with the customers that are coming in, and at least, as I said, we have a reason to get up every single morning to come into work. So it's been brilliant. I'm delighted with it. I'm yeah. not even looking at the bottom line. I, I, I couldn't care less about that. I'm just doing our sanity, we have our job, and we're, we're belting away. You've been very active on social media, Paul, critical of the, the indecision, the, the failure, I think, on, in your view, the failure to reach any kind of certainty. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to hold back at all. I mean, the, the first, I mean, I could list 10 things that have annoyed the hell out of me. The, the, probably the biggest one is that when one of the senior politicians or a senior civil servant that's in the decision-making position or the CMO of Ireland come out and says, you know, I understand what you're going through. And I turn around and I say, stop, because you don't. Because you guys get to get up in the morning. You guys get to go to work in the morning. You guys get your full salary every Friday. You guys never need to worry about, are your colleagues going to be out of a job? So don't try and empathize. Don't try and turn around and say, you understand what we're going through, because A, you haven't a clue. And at this stage, it's kind of like as if you actually don't care. So these, it's, look, we're all going through the pandemic. We're all going through, it's an absolute mess, without a shadow of a doubt. Mm. But the communication, what these guys have displayed, is a total lack of respect for the complete private sector. It is just beyond a joke. A classic example is Leo coming out the other day saying, look, we'll open up for Christmas, but you know, we might close down January or February again. What kind of message is that to the private sector? But, but Paul, was he not just reflecting what science says? That when you open up the economy, this to, and what Mike Ryan from the World Health Organization said yesterday, when you open up the economy, it is inevitable, it is a scientific fact that this spread of this virus will rise again. And that the cost of a normal Christmas might be another lockdown. That's just science. Yeah, I, I, I get that. I think I think politicians are on the side of science today and on the side of uh, boggledygook the following day. It's very simple. Leo, there's no problems with you coming out, turn around saying we might close down January or February. But let's just make a real leadership statement out of this. Guys, here's what we're doing. We're opening up because we're actually not listening to science. We're listening to the power of the people that want to be open for Christmas. Because let's face it, that's exactly what they're doing. So they're completely not listening to science at the moment. But here's what we're going to do. We're opening up next Monday, the entire country. And on the second week of January, worst case scenario is we're closing down again for another three weeks. So we're letting you know now. It's, so you're going to get all of Christmas. You're going to get up to women's Christmas, little Christmas, whatever you call it. And then after that, we are closing down for three weeks to level five again because that's what science is going to dictate to us because we know the numbers are going to go up. So, Not, so you would suggest, Paul, that what would have been clarity would have been to say, okay, we're going to give you a Christmas, as it were, business, family, travel, whatever. We're going to give you a Christmas, and then on a given date, we must lock down again to balance the books, as it were, virus-wise. 100%. Everybody knows where we're going. And then, if you want to be even 
a better leader, you turn around and say, but don't worry, guys, we're going to see how the numbers look the week before we're due to lock down. And if the numbers and the trajectory rate hasn't gone as high as what we think it might have gone, well, then it's actually only level three or it's level two. Because as far as I'm concerned, it's either level zero or level five. Both of those are strategies. Anything in between is nonsense. But And they've had six, nine months to come up with this to try and, like, what? where's the improvement? I was listening to Claire earlier on, and she's so true when she turns around and she goes, you can't open and close and continue to open and close the economy. I mean, never in the history of the Irish state have we ever started the news every single day telling us the infection rate of a particular disease or virus. And yet we do it day in, day out. I mean, I know the CMO's job but is... But I'd, I'd counter that, Paul, by saying that never in, uh, certainly in my lifetime and yours, never have we had to deal with a global pandemic that has just taken everything and, and paused us for a year. No, I, and I fully get that as well, PJ. But we must also listen to what we've been told. We were told day one. I remember the day when Leo said we're locking down the country. We were told 35,000 of us would be infected within two weeks. There was professors coming out. That's saying, if we didn't do anything. You see, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm very critical of people who, who quote, and I'm not getting personal with you here. No, no, but absolutely. people who quote those numbers, they accuse Sam McConkie of saying this. They accuse Anthony Staines of saying something else. All they ever said was, if we don't do the right things, we'll get these numbers. No. But it's judiciously misquoted to say, oh, we'll have 35,000 cases and we didn't get them. Because no, no, we did I something about it. I get that, I get that 100%. But my point was being is that since day one, the people of Ireland have been listening and listening and every single day it's in our heads. And at what point, what do we measure the health side of things? Do we only concentrate on COVID or how many people have lost their lives due to other things? How many people are going, they're not getting diagnosed with the proper, uh, with cancer treatments that they're going to have to get because they can't get into the hospitals. No, so, that's so, true. So, so where do we draw the line on who are we protecting? And that, that's my point, that this has gone on, and I know we're in a pandemic, and that's what I'm saying, that we need to show true leadership. So, guys, you want your Christmas, and we all agree this is what we're doing, even though it feels like we're begging at times, you know, please give us a day out. But, like, they have to turn around and show true leadership. So here it is, guys. We're opening up on Monday. The whole country is opening up on Monday. And then if it goes the way we think it could go, like we might have 35,000 by the end of March, if it goes the way we think it's going to go, on this, after the first week of January, we're shutting down again for three weeks to get it back under control. If those numbers haven't reached what we think it could go to, like the 35,000 at the end of March, then we're not shutting down the country. But at least we know, at least we're prepared. At least as a restaurateur, I know, look, lads, we're running down the stock in the kitchen because we're closed next week. This is what we're doing. At least we can, at least we can be organised, prepared. That's we're not asking. We know we're going through a pandemic. Our heartfelt condolences go out to every single family that has been any way affected with anything to do with COVID. But all we're asking for is just a little bit of respect. Stop treating us like muppets. Mm. Stop treating us like morons. Just give us a chance. Jim is asking here: Is this man for real? Open up. Well, how many will die? Medical experts must be listened to. And on Twitter, Kev says that logic will fill the hospitals and definitely kill people. It's murder when you know the end result. If you're that desperate for money, you can keep it. I'd never darken your door as long as I live. Like, while, while when people listening to you goes, yeah, he's got a point. The science doesn't agree with you. Okay, so, so let's just be very crystal clear. This is not me saying that, <laughs> that I'm opening up the country, okay? This is the government who've said they're opening up the country. It's not me who's saying that. Second of all, there isn't a self-employed person in the country who is talking about financial reasons to do this. 
far from it. But we, the CMO has a job, the politicians have a job, we also have jobs that we got to protect too. And I'm saying very, very simply that all I'm saying for is that the government have said they're opening up the country. They can't tell us today whether it's everybody, restaurants, level two, level three or level whatever. But all I'm saying is, is that just have it planned, organized, and here's what we're doing so that we know and we can be organized. We opened up in July and August and exactly like what Claire said, there wasn't a single case attributed to our restaurant, that's all I can speak on behalf of, to very, very few restaurants in the entire country in July and August. So we had it controlled. We had it spaced out. We had the distance that we needed. We had social distancing. We had everything going on. And, and to be fair, at one point during the summer, I was in your restaurant and yeah. every single protocol that I could think of, box ticked. I have to compliment you there. Thanks, PJ. But I mean, to be honest, that was probably 99.9% of, of the restaurants throughout the entire country because we are in the industry of taking care of people. It's what we do. It's what we're trained to do. It's what we're professional at. So we were always going to follow the guidelines and do what we were told to do. So we're sitting here on the other, and people can shout and scream, oh, you're going to shut down the country. And, uh, that's not what I'm, that's not what's going to happen. We are going to do it right. And I just said to myself, this time, I'm not going to be sitting waiting on some fellow up in Dublin telling me whether I can open or not or this. I said, so here's what we do. We do our deli. We have it planned. We're all, you should see us, PJ, if you walked in, you'd swear we were in a Zen zone down here. <laughs> we're just all because we know and we're relaxed and we know what we're doing. And all I'm asking is, is that instead of coming out with these leaks, as I said the other day, every restaurant is going to be serving potato and leek soup because there's so many leaks going around at the moment just respect us give us a little bit of ounce of, of intelligence that we have we will do what you tell us to do and we'll do it perfectly and, and that's all I'm asking for is just a little bit of respect for, for the self-employed people that are out there Okay, we'll leave it there for today Paul, good luck with the deli because I know it's been going great and I'm only killing myself that I can't go down and sample it as I'd love to do thank you, that's Paul Trevod from Trevod's Restaurant in Killarney uh, from Germany uh, Audrey says, Paul Fratishuk, every single word out of his mouth is common sense. 1850 Let us go all the way back to a man who, when we first spoke of this horrible pandemic back in March, he was our Lord Mayor. And uh, he's gone, well, he's still a councillor, but he's gone back to being a, a working GP, trying to cope with this and trying to deal with it. Uh, Dr. John Sheehan, good morning to you. Morning, PJ. John, did you ever think when we first spoke about this late February, early March, that we'd still be looking at it with four weeks to Christmas and facing all these horrible restrictions into the festive season? No, I certainly didn't. I mean, you know, when it hit us, and it really did hit us in March, you know, we all thought that this was it. Uh, We'd all hunker down for, you know, for a couple of months and things would improve and we'd get on with it. And unfortunately, that's not the case, I suppose, as we've learned from the Spanish flu from 1918, the second wave, which killed more people than the first wave. Um, that was something, I suppose, we all had to prepare for. Now, I think we've been very lucky and we've done very good, and I can understand the frustration that Paul has and he articulates it very well. Um, luckily, though, we didn't have that big second wave like they did nearly 100 years ago, and a lot of that was due to the measures that happened over the six months, you know, the, all the, us all learning not to hug people, shake people's hands, and distancing and masks and all of that. And it really did make a big difference because when we didn't have the second wave as bad, and when the second wave came, the hospitals weren't overwhelmed like yeah. the big concern was in March. You know, the numbers in ICU and the, uh, where the hospitals had to totally reconfigure themselves. 
They are able to keep things going now. When in, in March they had to pretty much shut down all sort of other care. No, they're not doing that. They're giving other, you know, gi- you know, giving all the other care. Mm. Like, are you able to get patients of yours, John, with other things wrong with them seen? Like someone who has a query, say, cancer. Are you able to get that person seen? We, we certainly are, and, and, and that's a big difference compared to March, where it was much harder to get things. So all of those things, so the hospitals, in fairness, have worked hard at building sort of alternative pathways where there's the COVID stream and the non-COVID stream, and they've, they've managed to continue on with all the, the oncology, the chemotherapy, the surgery, that you, that you need to keep things going. And that has been one of the big differences, that there has been sort of built-in sort of extra capacity within the hospital system to cope with that. And the hope is, PJ, that, you know, we will be able to continue on. And, you know, the vaccines are beginning to come through now. Hopefully over the next few months they'll start arriving. Then that will be a game changer. That should make a big difference. And then we drive on from there. Um, You know, so, so there is light at the end of the tunnel, hopefully. Now, I think something you're concerned about is a fall off in referrals for testing. What what's worrying you? Yeah, there's there's good news there in the sense that if you go back about three or four weeks ago, um, my practice, along with nearly every other practice in Cork, had an increased number of COVID cases and also a a big number of people that we were referring for testing. The good news is that over the last week or two, we haven't had to refer pretty much only a handful of people for testing. So that's been a really, really, really good improvement. Yeah. However, the fear is that people are now going to start saying, oh, you know, vaccine's coming, I don't want all the hassle of it, so we're going to be fine, I have a few symptoms, but I'm fine, and that complacency starts building up, um, and that will be a bit of a disaster, Mm. particularly when you consider that we're likely to open up a bit now over the next few weeks. Would you be concerned about people, John, who, and I have anecdotally heard of it happening, they wake up feeling a bit off, temperature, bit of a cough, take, they take a pack of paracetamol and a few hot whiskies and they go about their business like we would do with a normal winter cold when we don't know that's what it is. Is, is that dangerous at this point in time? It absolutely is. And, and, and that's the danger because people say, oh, well, COVID, you know, it's gone way down, you know, so I just have the usual thing. I get this every year. We've had patients and, and every practice has patients who feel this is their normal thing that they get every year, and it, then it turns out to be COVID. So that complacency, I think, is a big risk factor. And also, I think the other big risk factor, and this is just human nature, is that pent-up energy for people to see each other, to get back to a bit of yeah. normality, to have a bit of December. Um, you know, So those two things potentially are, are a significant risk factor. It's very, very hard. I'd hate to be doing Michal Martin or Leo Varadkar's job at the moment. I'd hate to have to stand up in front of people and say, I'm sorry, but you can't have the Christmas you've always had. You can't do it. You simply can't do it. It's an unenviable task for anybody to be in. And I know he's your party leader. He has a very unenviable task at the moment, John. He certainly does. And, you know, it's about getting a, a, a balance. There's always risks with everything. There's always risks with opening up things. We have one of the lowest cases in Europe at the moment, and that's really, really good. There is a risk in opening um, things up. But you have to balance that about people's, you know, mental health, their abilities to interact with people, their societies sort of view that, you know, we're, we're not islands, we're, we're people, we're very social people, Irish people in particular are very social people, so we have to get some measure of balance there um, it's a bit like PJ, if I use the analogy of say, 
uh, cars and road traffic accidents. If you want to prevent road traffic accidents, nobody drives. But that's not practical. You have to balance the risk and you try to reduce the risk down to speed, you know, restrictions, safety yeah. measures, etc. And it's exactly the same uh, with this virus. You don't want anyone to get it. You try to reduce down the risk, but you have to balance that then to people living a bit of their life, a normal sort of uh, interaction, seeing family members. And, you know, you have to strike a balance there. Yeah, and it's a hard balance to strike. With the shops about to open on the 2nd of December, I think you, as as GP, as representative, as former Lord Mayor, John, you're appealing to people in Cork, don't, don't get into a stampede mentality. Absolutely, and, and particularly shop local and support those local businesses who really struggled over the last six months. But because there's so much pent-up uh, um, energy, the fear is the shops will open. You know, you'll have queues around the corner for pennies on the morning that, that, you know, that, that it opens because people want to get their Christmas shopping. They're fearful that, oh, uh, you know, I'll only have a week or two and they're going to shut down again, so I better get in there. So, you know, stagger it. Don't everyone rush on the first day and, you know, Make your plan, see how you can do it. Don't everybody aim to go at 11 o'clock in the morning. You know, stagger it out during the day and be sensible about it. And just because maybe you planned to go shopping that day and all the shops are jammed, maybe think about another day. Maybe that's a better time. I know the shops have worked really hard in this and put huge plans into Mm. doing this. There might be a huge crowd around the corner, but there might only be a very limited number of people in the shop. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and, and that's, that, that's the reality that that's what's going to happen. Um, so just be practical about it and be sensible about it. But uh, now more than ever, our businesses need our support. And I think, you know, we have, you know, we just have to support them locally because they've just taken such a huge wallop over the last six months. Indeed. John, thank you. John Sheehan, Councillor John Sheehan. A doctor, of course, and former Lord Mayor. 1850-715-996. There are no easy ways here. By the way, a figure that I've been asked to explain more than once, you know, they say the mean figure of something, the mean age of those being diagnosed, for example, or the mean age of those who, God rest them, have died. If you take a series of numbers, starting at, say, 20, say the age of 20, and working up to the age of 83, the mean is the average of them all. So you add them all up and you divide them by the number of numbers. The median is halfway between the highest and the lowest. And for data recording purposes and for data reporting purposes, the median is more accurate than the mean. That's what they tell you in science. That's what they tell you. Uh, it is very foggy out there. It's an absolute pea super. I can't see. What can I see? I can just about see... Brown Thomas from the the studio window here in in Studio One. So it's very, very, very foggy. Please turn the lights on. The fog is so thick. There are so many cars going around with, without lights. It's dangerous. That's from Susan in Upper Glenmire. Another one uh, asked drivers turn on the lights. It's too foggy. A lot of cars around the Little Island area and up the airport road with no lights on. And again, ask people to turn their lights on. Fools driving in thick fog with no lights. It's just plain dangerous. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This is Cork's 
Gold, Imro award-winning talk show, The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. Here's a question that comes in all the time. And I really sympathise with the, the caller's situation. Caller was self-employed, but lost his business. His credit rating is now destroyed. He thinks the COVID virus isn't as bad as they're saying. And he says it's a mystery that the flu seems to have all but disappeared. He wants to know why Tony Holohan and the World Health Organization didn't ask people to wear masks and sanitise hands years ago and could have pretended, pre- prevented millions of deaths from the flu. Thinks the whole thing is a disgrace. That question is out there. Why has the flu seemingly disappeared? Well, firstly, it hasn't. Uh, and they are still vaccinating people against the flu. But what is apparently happening, and some of the scientists are looking at it and saying, you know what? One has kind of paid off with the other. With all the washing of hands, with all the wearing of masks, with all the keeping of distance, and all of that, and all of the restrictions on our lives to prevent us getting and spreading COVID-19, as a kind of a byproduct from that, the spread of flu has just fallen because obviously the same measures you take to prevent the spread of COVID are also going to prevent the spread of the flu and other things besides. That seems to be the answer for that. We have the fifth and final day of our Sanitise Ireland Natural Solutions competition for you today. I'll be giving you a headline to rewrite for me and today our prize is 50 metres squares worth of fogging equipment for a big place. That's a big place. Five litres of natural disinfectant, automatic dispenser and a nanomister. And sl- basically a fogging and demist or sanitisation kit. Fogging kit. Again, great for a business or even for a big house where you want to have some people over for Christmas. You can fog and sanitise and clean it all up. I'll give you a story that I want you to rewrite for me. We had some fun with this during the week. I'll do another one for you. It might be after the 10 o'clock news when I give it to you. But it's with our friends at Sanitise Ireland Natural Solutions. Let us go to a totally different story. And here's a list I'm going to read to you. A carved wooden eagle. An Italian neoclassical dressing table. A protective cover for the Ferrari. A Meerschaum pipe. An illuminated Hannibal Lecter mask, excuse me, signed by Anthony Hopkins. And a few suits of armour. The possessions of one Michael Flatley. And they've all been sold at auction. Philip Shepherd is from Shepherd's Irish Auction, Irish auction House. Philip, good morning. Good morning to you. A colle- an eclectic collection, to say the very, very least. Indeed, as eclectic as it gets. It's been a great sale. We sold hundreds of lots from Castle High yesterday here in Doro, and uh, it was a really, really successful sale. Top of the bill was the Hannibal Lecter mask that you mentioned, signed by Sir Anthony Hopkins. It made €85,000. Wow. And a painting by Michael Flatley uh, called The Finish Line, one of his, his paintings, was sold for 35000 And notably, a limited edition print of one of his paintings was uh, sold for €3,000, and he has donated that, uh, proceeds of that, to go to Bernard's uh, Children's uh, Fund here in Ireland. So it was a great day, an exciting day. We had participants from more than 20 countries. Uh, We had buyers from as far away as San Diego and California. 
right across to Singapore on the Pacific Rim. So it was an exciting day. A collector of all sorts of strange things, isn't he? Indeed, Jeff. I mean, his life is an international life. He's a a, a global uh, superstar, uh, one of the most successful um, um, entertainers, I guess you could say, in the world. I know that his show, Lord of the Dance, uh, when it ran in L.A., uh, turned over in excess of one billion U.S. dollars. So the success is phenomenal. He had, I know that uh, when he was at Wembley Stadium, he had a sellout for 21 nights in a row. I mean, a record has yet to be beaten by anybody. And then, of course, he holds the record for tap dancing, 35 uh, taps per second, and that's in the Guinness Book of World Records. Yeah. Castle Hyde, of course, is an amazing place. The suit of armour, was that found there, or was was it one of his own that he collected and stored and forgot about or something. Well, there's, a story, there's a story behind that. Well, the, the story's very simple. It, it's not a medieval. It's a replica or a facsimile suit of armour. It's a very high sort of quality copy of an original medieval suit of armour. So it would have been made in the 20th century, but it certainly looks the part and, and had a great present. It was in the basement of Castle Hyde, and um, there were some other half, half suits of armour there also. So... Um, yeah, it's an exciting thing. I think the suit of armour, I think it sold for 2200 or something wow. like that. What about the Ferrari car cover? Because I had this idea of a Ferrari car cover which went for, what, two or 300 yo-yos yeah. and, and, and that being <laughs> draped over a little Nissan Micra. <laughs> <laughs> actually, actually he, he, he did have a Ferrari that he sold last year and they couldn't locate the cover at the time. Right. Uh, but there is a scene, I believe, in Friends where uh, one of the characters is letting on that he has a Porsche and he buys a protective car cover for a Porsche. Yeah. And he has over all these cardboard boxes and everything is going great until somebody trips and falls into it and it all collapses. So maybe that that's the thing. You, you make up your shape of your car to, to look like a Ferrari. I can see it now. I can see it now. <laughs> it can be done, you know. <laughs> the, fi- the Fiesta's gone replaced by a Ferrari. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where to go? Uh, Philip, it's, it's, these are great auctions, though. I mean, you know, when a superstar like this starts selling their stuff, there's huge interest. Yeah, it generates phenomenal interest, and there's no doubt that the stardust sort of um, um, impacts and, and comes in. It also creates a great atmosphere. I mean, the team here at Doral, they, they love working with it. And, and I just, I, I'd like to acknowledge this publicly. Uh, Michael Slattery is one of the best guys we have ever worked with. He's so easy to get along with. He's so nice, thoughtful, respectful. Um, an amazing, an amazing guy. I mean, you just forget that he is kind of a superstar. Mm. And anyway, he could be helpful. He was helpful, and we had a very, very happy experience at Castlehyde. I mean, everybody really enjoyed being there, and, and such a nice, happy place. Usually, these big houses are dreary and windy and damp and whatever. That's not Castlehyde. Castlehyde is an amazing place. Mm. It's done to a phenomenal standard. The Irish Georgians society has said that it's the best restored house in Ireland. So North Cork is something certainly they can boast about. All right. And someone's looking for you maybe to sell something else there, so I'll leave you go. Thank you for your time this morning. That's Philip Shepherd from Shepherd's Irish Auction House. Selling off all sorts of goodies, the possessions of one Mr. Michael Flatley. 1850-715-996. Quick word of congratulation. She put it on her Facebook this morning. Nicole Ryan a friend of the show, regular guest, and indeed she's worked on the executive research desk once or twice. Some great news. Thermal Fisher Scientific have given support to her Alex's adventure, which we've talked about many times 
on the show so she can support schools in the Ringeskiddy and Corabini area and enhance their lives through the work that they do, which is great. And of course, Alec, or Nick, rather, I keep doing that. Nick, Nicole studied in Ringeskiddy uh, when she was studying to be a maritime engineer, which of course she's, she's given all that up now to pursue the Alex's Adventure Project. So very dear to her heart, uh, everything to do with Ringeskiddy. And she posted on Facebook this morning to thank Thermo Fisher for their support. And so say all of us. Great support for a great, uh, a great campaign. Listening to highlights from the opinion line on Cork's 96 FM. To hear the full show, download the podcast from iTunes or see 96FM.ie. The opinion line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96 FM. If you happen to miss the interview with Ryan Tuberty on the uh, Casey and Ross in the Morning show this morning, Fear not, because we'll have a good lash of it before the end of the show. Just seen it land in my inbox. So we'll hear what host of the toy show, Ryan Toberty, had to say to Casey and Ross in the, in, in the morning, this morning on the very Friday of the toy show. 1857-15996, text to WhatsApp 083-396-9696, email opinion at 96fm.ie. In our first hour this morning, we spoke to... Um, we, we spoke to Claire Nash of Nash 19 and we spoke to Paul Travold uh, in uh, Killarney from Travold's restaurant and of course from the telly what is going to happen with the restaurant trade over the Christmas and what how they're dealing with the uncertainty of it all, how they're planning to open if they're going to open at all, what they're going to do what advice they're going to take and of course we don't know yet what we're going to be told this evening, we think now that we will be told at 6 o'clock this evening by the Taoiseach that the uh, restrictions will begin to lift next Tuesday. Shops will open, hairdressers will open, gyms will open for uh, small groups. And from the 4th of December, that's the latest, which will be this day week, from the 4th of December, the restaurants and gastropubs will be allowed to open under enhanced restrictions. For example, the hour and 45 minutes looks like it might be gone. They might be cut down to a shorter period of time to get us in and get us out of the pub. But all that will emerge, I suppose, this evening and and over the weekend. But as we inevitably head towards the lifting of restrictions, we have to look at the hospitals. And the numbers in the hospitals today, at this point in time, are manageable. And that was the main effect of this level five was to get the numbers in the hospitals down, to prevent the numbers in the hospitals from getting out of control. And they're not which is a good thing. Let us check in with Dr. Catherine Motherway, who's consultant in intensive care at the University Hospital in Limerick and the former president of the Intensive Care Society. And she's been with me on the show a couple of times. And I know that today is a day off for you, Catherine. So I appreciate you taking my call. Good morning to you. We were inevitably going to be told this evening that I think the government has taken the advice from Neffet, but it's not actually going to act upon it and is going to allow the economy to open in some shape or form this side of Christmas. Is that a risky strategy? Well, I don't know what the government are going to do, and nor do I know what advice Neffet have given the government. I'm aware that there's a lot of media speculation on it, but I don't deal in speculation at all. I have no interest in it, really. I think that whatever we're going to do will what we're going to do. They will decide that they have made their decisions. And what we need to do as individuals is to continue 
to do our own personal things. I mean, I'm like a broken record and I won't apologise for this. You need to do your hand washing, wear your masks, physical distance, cough etiquette and make sure that you, if you are unwell, stay away from other people and um, stay out of sight. Don't go to work. Don't go to wherever it is you're going to go. And if our restaurants do open, and which they did uh, in the summer, and, and I've been on several of them, and they ran them very well, mm. make sure that you obey whatever restrictions the proprietor puts upon you. So if you have to come in and leave quickly, then do that. Mm. You do all of those things when you go into that space. Stay there for the permitted period of time. Do your social distancing as much as possible and obviously work with the proprietor so that you and the other people in the restaurant, including the staff, can stay safe, well and hopefully employed um, and, uh, going forward. The role of personal responsibility, Catherine, I think can't be understated here. If you feel nervous about going to a restaurant, then don't go. Well, absolutely. And I have, over the course of this pandemic, with my husband, probably eaten more in my local restaurants than I ever have because I've been getting takeaways from them almost every week. And I yeah. wouldn't previously have done that. Yeah. But we have done that to support them. Plus, we haven't liked food. But, like, we, we haven't been going into them, but we have been supporting them. And quite a number of restaurants, I would hope, have been supported by their clientele over the course of this pandemic. And I'd say they would love to open and open safely. And if that's what's being allowed, let us all help them do that and do it safely. Yeah. The reopening, though, what implications could it have for the hospitals were it to go wrong? Well, obviously, if viral transmission increases, you increase the risk of having um, more patients in hospitals. Um, obviously, staff will also get viral infection, and we sometimes unknowingly have it. So you increase the risk of having outbreaks in congregated settings, that includes hospitals, nursing homes and all of those places. So the key to all of this is keeping viral transmission low. Mm. And we should still all try and limit our contacts. And I know Christmas is coming up and I think we will have to have some socialisation because otherwise we'd all go mad. So we, we can't be cancelling Christmas, but we can have Christmas differently. Yeah. And in a safe manner. I mean, we, we can still gather, but physically distance as much as we can in the house. And if you have a vulnerable relative, get them to wear a mask, wear a mask when you're near them, wash your hands, make sure that you, you know, you know, slightly at a distance, but still park the crowd. Yeah. There is ways and means. And I, I saw a lovely article um, quoting Mike Ryan. Um, I can't remember which news server was in. Giving advice about how we can actually safely get together as much as possible yeah. over the Christmas period and keep each other safe until we get to the vaccine stage of this phenomenon. Like this is the vaccine is only part of it. We still have to continue to obey these personal guidance. Yeah. Are are you as a, as a doctor are, are you enthused about the vaccine? Oh god, yes. Oh absolutely. If this works out, I I can assure you I will be wherever I'm supposed to be in the queue, I shall be there. <laughs> Catherine, if it's it first, I'll be there. If it's second, I'll be there. I'll be wherever they tell me to have it. And I'm glad that I, you I, said I that. I see following on my social um, a lot of negativity towards uh, the vaccine. And I'm asking every medical professional and scientific professional that I get on the phone. People are thinking, oh, they did this in, in eight or nine months. It can't possibly be safe. It's all been rushed. Now, Mike Ryan, the aforementioned Mike Ryan said, that's just because we, we cut all the red tape. Exactly. Do people have anything to worry about with this? No. Once it goes through its safety checks, a lot of these um, have been media releases 
and we haven't, the scientific community that, that would, would judge this have yet to assess it. So all of the regulatory bodies will do exactly what they have always done before, except they're going to do it faster. So, I mean, they, there is often a lot of red tape and difficulty with search and with a lot of stuff. And a lot of that red tape was cut, but none of the safety things were cut. Yeah. So the safety data and all of that will undergo rigorous um, review by the safety people and that vaccine will not be released for general release until they are sure that it is safe. Finally, any words of advice for us? A month out, we will, ha- we will have our instructions this evening on what we can do. What's, what's your advice? Is it the same simple advice as it's always I'm been? It's all, yeah. Wash your hands, wear the masks, do the physical distancing, take care of your elderly pay- relatives and their friends, look in on them, cough etiquette. Don't go to work if you feel unwell, ring your GP. Don't think you have to be there. The place won't close down without you, but it might close down if you go in and give everybody COVID. So it would be really good if we just, you know, did all of those things, isolate a few symptoms and um, essentially avoid crowds and closed spaces, open the windows as much as possible where you are, meet outside, go for walks, do as much as you can outside. And if we have bright winter weather, that'll be okay. Obviously, it can be difficult when it's raining, but sure, we have coats and umbrellas. Use them. And welcome meet people. (laughs) Always good to catch up with you and thank you very much. And if I don't speak to you before the big day, have a a wonderful Christmas with with your family. Dr. Catherine Motherway, uh, one of our uh, regular guests on the show since this pandemic started, a former president of the Intensive Care Society of Ireland. And there's an amount to be said for that advice, you know. Look, the restaurants are going to open. The hotels are going to get going in some shape or form. In fact, I'll go to that in a second. But if you don't want to go, don't go. No one is going to drag you kicking and screaming into a restaurant and force you to eat. No one is going to drag you kicking or screaming into a pub and force you to eat. If you don't want to go, don't go. They're going to be open. It's down to ourselves. It's down to personal responsibility, personal choices, personal actions. 1850-715-996. Viv says, uh, Dr. Catherine Motherway, brilliant as always. The woman is alleged. She's a bit of that. All right. 1850-715-996. Let us check out the hotel sector. Next. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 996. On Cork's 96FM. Let's pop off down to West Cork. Wood that it was so easy at the moment. Pop off down to lovely West Cork, down to beautiful Ross Carberry and the Celtic Ross Hotel. Neil Grant, good morning. Uh, good morning, PJ. How are you? I'm well, sir. I'm well. Your your restaurant is a huge part of your business at this time of year. Have you yeah. any idea what's going to happen this evening? Uh, I'm, I'm relatively unsure. I mean, I think that's that's the slight frustration. I think is that you uh, you know we're dealing with leaks and kind of uh, Neffet says this and the government are thinking that and and such like. So there's a little bit of uncertainty and and it certainly it's a wee bit frustrating. So we're none the wiser till six o'clock and then of course you're then looking for the lead in time as to when you're actually 
uh, able to open. So, look, uh, I feel a bit better about it this morning. I've had a good night's sleep and calmed down. But last night, it gets a bit frustrating when you don't know, you know. But, look, I with a bit of luck, we will be able to open. And it's certainly, at this time of year, uh, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that, uh, you know, a restaurant is mainly the Christmas parties and that side of thing that keeps us really busy. Yeah. But it's a nice side of it. You've got gatherings of friends or, or relatives that are just getting together and having a quick uh, catch-up pre-Christmas. And it's quite an important part of of the season, albeit we're, we're in a different, a different Christmas this year yeah. than, than many others. Would you have many residents in normal times at this time of the year? You know, midweek's always a bit funny. Uh, December and January midweeks in West Cork are, are a bit of a struggle. They're a tough sell. Uh, you know, uh, we we would, uh, you know, it'd be quiet midweek. Weekends are always busy. You know, Friday, Saturday is, is always busy. Um, and, uh, you know, we've been open now uh, seven days a week and throughout the, uh, the the winter period for six years now we've we've stayed open so irrespective of how busy it has been we've we've uh, we've kind of had bedrooms open uh, so this is probably this is the first year that we're we're kind of looking at it and thinking look we'll maybe just do uh, three nights we'll do the Thursday Friday Saturday we'll be open uh, for bedrooms but we very much want to have the restaurant open every day yeah. uh, you know even just for morning coffee and lunch you know not not maybe uh, we might not go into the evening but these are all the decisions that we need to make once we know what we're able to do, you know. So there's a lot of decisions to make uh, before we open the doors next week. Uh, but we will open the doors, there's no doubt about that. You'll be opening them, I guess, in knowing that a decision's been made by government to go against scientific advice. Are you comfortable doing that? Hey, look, I think it's... Uh, the public health piece is, is the number one priority. There's no doubt it always has been. Like we, Hotels wouldn't have accepted... Uh, you know, uh, back in March and April that it wasn't the right thing to shut down. I'll be straight with you, uh, you know, from our perspective, I think we'd had a busy summer in West Cork, so it'd probably been busier than you would have liked, but we operated safely. I think we got great praise for the way we, we handled things. We uh, we did our, our Fault Ireland uh, safety charter. We followed the uh, the HSA guidelines to the T. Uh, we had regular uh, discussions with, uh, you know, our EHO. We, we, we kind of contract uh, the food safety company and they came in and did swabs on different surfaces. And we learned how to work safely. We, we very much, uh, you know, we operated wearing face masks from day one. We mm. didn't wait for that to be advised to us as a hotel. We did it from day one. Uh, we, we, I think halved the capacity of our restaurant so it was nicely spaced and it was a lovely environment mm. so I think we did everything safely now when when the government came out when the cases were rising in October uh, and said uh, you know it's, it's time you know we'll, we'll be closing down or going to level 5 in a funny way I think for our team it was a bit of a relief because I think it was more than anything it was the mental strain you know I think it's now drummed into us exactly what we have to do to operate safely we had sanitizers in every table mm. uh, we had a sanitizing protocol as to how we cleaned um, we we listened to the, you know the food safety company the HSA guidelines and we do everything correctly and yeah. I think my, my own dad's a, a retired 
intensive care doctor and I asked him recently, I said, what do you think? Do you think hotels should open? He said, and restaurants? He said, absolutely. He said, because they're spaced out, uh, you know, they're controlled. Uh, he said that the Irish cases are much lower than Europe. And he said, I don't see any reason why you shouldn't. He said, but a key thing is definitely that uh, you're, you, you don't have people in cro- close proximity and that the ventilation is good, mm-hmm. you know, um, and he's pretty cautious. So I, I do think... Um, you know, it's it's hard. To, uh, I think the thing with the medical advice is we've kind of, I think that they've lost the public because, I mean, if you look at the, the clusters, then there's a significant more clusters in, in private households than, yeah. than hotels. So is it better to have hotels and restaurants open and, and to kind of have them as highly regulated areas? And it might mean that the household clusters are less. Yeah. I think it, it makes sense. It's kind of a um, question that we, only get, that we only get the answer to that when we do open up and we'll only know, I guess, after Christmas yeah. what the result of opening up was. Listen, Neil, good luck with it, whatever it is that you're able to do over the next few weeks. And I hope that you and everybody else in the Celtic Cross and in every other hotel and restaurant in Cork City and County, whatever you decide to do, I hope it works out for you. 1850-715-996 and safely. I hope it works out for you safely. Now, Katrina Toomey, uh, how are you? I'm good, PJ. You had a bit of a surprise visitor yesterday, I think. Oh, we did, and what a great pick-me-up. What happened? <laughs> well, we were all just busy away, working inside. The lads were chopping and peeling, and we were making up bags for the night run and stuff like that. And um, the chefs were in the kitchen, and we were just going about as normal. And the next thing in, this guy came with a mask on him, and it was Roy. And it was so funny because... Roy Keane. Yeah, right, <laughs> I suppose there's only one, right? <laughs> yeah, I suppose so, yeah. And, and did, did you kind of say, is that who I think it is, like? Do you know, like, it was just kind of, we we, we just looked and he just, you know, how, how things, and we, you know, straight into a chat and he was having, he had his cup and we sat down and he was chatting to everybody, you know, and like we have a French chef inside and, he was telling the French chef like that he played with some fantastic French guys and um, uh, Philippe, our chef, uh, is living very near to one of them. You know, came from the same place, and uh, so it was fabulous. Like he had great time for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> one, one, one of our, um, one of our uh, volunteers <laughs> still didn't believe it, like because obviously Roy was wearing the mask, like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it only came off with the photograph. And just then that the volunteer actually believed us. He thought we were pranking him. <laughs> and he was saying, would you go away with us? You know, and all of this. So we were not about him because there was nothing could convince him that it was Roy, like, with the mask. But, um, no, we had, a, we had an amazing chef with Roy, and he's very, very good to us. He always pops in, but like that, he'll come in unannounced and... Yeah, he, he does. He does a lot of that. To be fair to the man, he he has always yeah. done an awful lot of that with the charities yeah. that he supports. Any any chance that we could get a picture that we could put on our social media? I have them up on the Facebook page. Great, we do. We we'll, we'll do. But do you know what, PJ? Mm. We we're very we were very tired inside, and he's like after giving us kind of you know like we had that you know the chat with him and we chatted about everything and we spoke about the GAA because that's what he was telling us he did when he was going to school there was no such thing as soccer but then he was telling us about his one love which was the soccer and the messages that I'm after getting and the private messages about him were absolutely amazing and we were 
you know, we spoke about the Glen Lake because the Glen was is a club that's close to my heart. And um, then we got a message in from Mary Newman at the Glen saying, I pity she didn't know because her mother was 90. <laughs> and one of Roy, you know, and like would know Roy and his family very well. Mary wouldn't miss a together. trick, I didn't know. Didn't, like, and a big long message and was absolutely brilliant. So yeah. I've been, you know, nearly all night like talking to people about the visit, you know. Fantastic. And, and you know what, if he could see and hear all the good things that people have to say about him. Absolutely, absolutely. A, a fantastic boost to you as well. Come here, four weeks oh. today. Katrina, have we a plan? I know that you've been getting some help, but we'll talk more about it after the weekend. But have we got well, a plan? I, I tell you what, while Roy was inside as we were chatting and doing all of that, Michael Mulcahy and John Minahan were outside measuring the road. Yeah. Uh, Michael Mulcahy has come on board to help and he's brought uh, John Minahan yeah. with him. And I know we'll talk more about it after the weekend, but you've got your event manager, you've got your planners. Are we going ahead with the miracle on Little Nanover Street? We are. We are, and I'm sure um, Michael will let you know that there could be a slight change of plan to that, which would be brilliant if it happens. But um, it, it was something that John and Michael came up with yesterday, and right. we're hoping that that will happen. Like, but right. either way, we're going to be, you know, we're going to be operational on oh, Christmas, Christmas Day. Day. We're going to, Fantastic! Yeah, Fantastic. We'll make it. We, we said we'd make it happen, and we're going to make it happen, and we'll talk more about it in the early days of next week. Katrina, thank you very much for that. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Watch this space for more info. It will happen. Now, a beautiful gesture. Uh, by a man we've spoken to many times on the programme. A lovely gesture. Face masks. Hundreds of them to give out for free. Simple. Next. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See ie. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A. FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. This 
This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Very popular place down on the Keys is Is Cafe. We've spoken to uh, Isadine from there many, many times on the programme before. A lovely gesture just coming up to Christmas as level five restrictions are about to be lifted. And I guess you and other places is you'll be able to open again. And you've got a little gesture for us. Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Good morning, everyone. What have you done? What have you got? You've got masks. Yeah, we uh, we are uh, uh, offering people 500 masks uh, just to encourage people to come to the city and wander uh, around and uh, do their uh, necessary shopping for December uh, with uh, safety. Yeah, In keeping with the Palestinian uh, team in the restaurant and, of course, your own background, these are a particular kind of pattern on the masks, aren't they? Yeah, they they uh, they have the kefir uh, pattern uh, printed on them, and they're really good quality, three layered uh, masks, uh, and uh, we we think they're safe uh, in general to to be used uh, yeah. in this situation. Now, the kefir pattern for people who wouldn't be familiar, those are the Palestinian scarves, what we would call the Palestinian scarves that people used to wear. Uh, around their next one time, and are they made out of that material? Is uh, no, it's actually the, the external layer is cotton, and uh, there's uh, 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 like uh, uh, two more layers inside, protective uh, layers, Excellent. and they are uh, black colored, uh, uh, and, and they are safe. They 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 don't have microfibers to be. Uh, uh, th- that could be harmful to the body. Excellent, excellent. And you've got you just just giving them away. Yes, they're totally free, and they're unconditioned. You don't have to buy anything from Escape. If you are passing by, <laughs> you are welcome to pick yours. Who who made them? Is uh, they they were made in in a factory uh, outside of Europe. We imported them. Very good. All right. Well, listen, again, you show your generosity and your decency. It's been tough for people like you, hasn't it? This it's lockdown. tough for everyone, yeah. We we think, uh, you know, this gesture could help people uh, come back to the city and uh, it could help also businesses uh, to get some uh, footfall again yeah. uh, the next month. When we spoke last year at the end of... 2019, you and your your family had uh, just had such a successful year with the cafe. 2020 has been a, a very, very strange contrast. Yeah, it's, it's really weird and strange year for everyone. Yeah. All right. Well, look, good luck with the masks. Good luck with the reopening. And thank no you problem. for your continued generosity to the to the people of Cork. That's Isadine from Is Cafe down on George's Key. 500 masks free. You don't even have to buy a coffee. I recommend that you do. It's damn good coffee. But you don't even have to buy a coffee. 500 free masks from the moment they're open to get people back into town. 1850-715-996. For the last time, let's do it. 
Cork's 96FM's 10K Toy Giveaway. With Johnson & Parrott, Douglas Bishop's 10 Man Point. Put 2020 behind you and drive into 2021. Always open at jpmg.ie. give you everything that you want. Final day of what's been a fabulous, fabulous couple of weeks. Lots of fun and lots of winners from the opinion line on Cork's 96FM's 10K toy giveaway. Okay, that's the cue to call for the last time on this program just a few minutes ago. And let us see where we're going. We're going to Mount Uniac near Killa in County Cork. Marie Holland. Hello. How are you? Good, good. The Hollands of Mount Uniac. I know them well. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of you down there. There is, if you three, are right. Three little girls will go through that 500 euro in quick time. Oh, very fast. <laughs> All right, okay. I have a little question for you. All right. It's an easy one. <laughs> well, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. Do you remember them? Do you remember them awful? Well, some people thought they were lovely. I thought they were awful. Can of, can of cabbage patch dolls. Oh, yes, but I don't know too much about them. But That's anyway. all right. That's <laughs> all right. They were huge. I thought they were horrible, but still, they were huge. And they were very popular in, was it the 80s or was it the noughties? Uh, the 80s or the noughties? The 80s? The 80s, yes. Brilliant. Yeah. They were them little fat, chubby cheeks on them. They were horrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably get abused up from home with the Cabbage Patch doll collection. Right, Marie, you are gone through to the draw on the big drive home with Lorraine this evening as a qualifier Brilliant. from Thanks the opinion. Million. Congratulations, and here's Thank hoping. You. Here's hoping for you. We've had a lot of luck over the last couple of weeks getting our qualifiers through to the draw and getting our winners from the draw every day. Thank you for that. 185715996. That's Marie Holland in Mount Uniac near. Killer. And remember, and we must remind you that Smith's Toys Superstore is still open during lockdown for click and collect and indeed for home giveaway. And that all be open from Tuesday, I think it is. Tuesday or Wednesday, the doors will reopen. And as Dr. John Sheehan said this morning, please, can we have a bit of sense? Can we use what brains we were born with and not stampede into these places? Talk about pubs and restaurants opening here uh, well gastro pubs pubs with food opening here in time for the Christmas got a call in the last week or so from an old buddy of mine uh, Julian Fair former manager of the Rochestown Inn where I used to play my trade of a Sunday evening for a few years moved out a few years ago to Puerto del Carmen in Lanzarote and now has I think it's three or four pub and restaurant businesses out there and we said we'd catch up because it's been an eventful year. A few weeks ago we were talking to a musician out there in, in Lanzarote about what it's been like for them. Let's catch up on the pub and restaurant trade in, in the place I always call my my one day retirement home. Julian, good morning to you. Good morning PJ, how are you? Good, lovely to catch up again. You've got quite a number of businesses yeah. going out there now. Uh, it's been a rough old year. Are people going to come out there though for Christmas? Because it's a huge, it's a huge place to go at Christmas time. We are hopeful of that. We we've started to open up our businesses here again. Um, we're staggering them, and we hopefully will have them all open before Christmas again. And um, as I said, it's been a long year for us here as well. Um, it's been very quiet. 
we do have people starting to come here again, but it's it's extremely safe here. So we're hoping that we will be, if people are going to travel for Christmas, that they will come to Lanzarote. Um, as the Caries is a safe place and Lanzarote especially is the safest out of all of the islands at the moment. You suffered because of the whole Spanish situation. People didn't go because they thought, right, well, Canaries in Spain and Spain is the Canaries and they didn't see the difference. But even throughout all of this, you've had a good handle on it, haven't you? We have from day one, I think, from, from the very start, from March, we got locked down um, like everybody else. And um, through that, um, we did an extremely hard lockdown here. With them. They were very, very strict here. And um, we, of course, being a very tourist orientated island out of all of the Canary Islands, we're, we're just purely tourist orientated trade. So we had to get back up and running as, as quickly as possible. I suppose so. Um, they, we, we were very much adhered by the rules here, and we only had, I think, four deaths, I think, from day one. Yeah. Um, in, the, in the height of it, um, we, our highest peak was about 650 cases only in, in, in July, August, um, which mainly was in Narasifi. We got that way down. We're down to about 54 cases yesterday, but only two in hospital, I yeah. think is what it was. Yeah. So we've worked, we've worked hard to turn it around. And what's the population of the island, Julian, roughly? The population here for residents is about 150,000. Right, um, right. Which, it's, a, it's been at that, and it's never been at that in years, obviously, because we have a tourist flow through here all the time so the only time that's really gone down to that has been in, in, in over the last six months yeah. so 57 cases at the, the the numbers we were able to we went to have there's various places you can look 57 I think was the the one on Thursday evening so 57 out of 150,000 that, that, yeah. that's that's not a lot of cases that's good con- not, that's mean, good control yeah, and that's mainly in our CC there. It's not in the tourist areas. It's, it's, in, it's in the city um, where those cases are being recorded. Um, we have no problem out in, in Port of Carmen or in the uh, tourist areas. Yeah. Um, we've never, never had a problem. Everybody wears masks here for months. Um, as soon as you get up from a table or leave your house, a mask goes on. It's our way of life here. At the in the street and all, Julian, yeah? On the streets and all, yes, absolutely. Now, you don't have to wear them when you're sunbathing on, um, on the beach or anything like that. Um, it's just when you get up from a table from a restaurant, if you want to go to the toilet, if you want to leave the restaurant, you have to put the mask on. And people are here by it here. They're very strict, the police, with it. But it's just, it's part of our life here now. Yeah. Um, and especially this time of the year, it isn't a problem. Yes, July and August, it's a bit hot and stuffy, mm. um, having to do it. But um, people just get used to it here. Yeah. That's just the way it is. And what, what's the, the temperatures out there at the moment, for example? The temperature at the moment, we were very warm. Um, a couple um, in the la- over the last two weeks, we were hitting over 30, 32 degrees. But the last two days, we've had a huge amount of rain, which mm. is very welcome here every now and then to get the place cleaned up and get the island looking a bit more green again. Yeah. Christmas. Well, um, we had th- we had three degrees as opposed to thirty. So send send a bit of that send a bit of that our way. Now you'd normally I know Christmas Day dinner is a huge event, and you'd normally be booked out well in advance. You'd be booked out since September, wouldn't you? 
September, yeah, all all the good places would be booked out in September. Here, it's our busiest day of the year would be would be Christmas Day and um, Christmas week in general. Christmas two weeks here would be as busy as it is um, in July, August, September. Here, um, we would be booked out normally in September, which is about 135 last year for Christmas Day, and um, I've about 30 booked at the moment. Mm. Um, which is unfortunate. But I, you know, I, I do think that that will turn around. We will, we will get bookings as we go mm. in. Um, Obviously, with the travel situation and still the mm. advice, the advice is still uh, not not to avoid non-essential travel. Um, and should there's hardly any flights now out of Ireland because of the Ryanair closing the Cork hub for the winter and, and all of that, it's almost impossible to get there from Ireland. What's the feeling on the ground, though, about considering, say, the Canaries as, as separate from Spain? Because Spain has a much worse problem than, than, than the islands. I mean, surely looking into 2021, Julian, and given a, an economy like the Canaries that is so, so, so dependent on tourism, something's going to have to be done there to get, to get people out again. Unfortunately, this has been the problem all the way through this pandemic. Um, the only thing, the good news about that is that we have been separated. Um, we're the only region of, of Spain that has been separated um, from lockdown. The rest of Spain has been locked down. It's on a curfew at night time, Moravia. The Canaries isn't. Yeah. We have been separated that way. Unfortunately, which I didn't see coming. I thought we would be separated from the EU Commission, which Ireland has signed up to this traffic light system. Yes. They haven't separated us. This yeah. is unusual because we are a safe destination. So that means we're not on anybody's green list. So we are on the UK green list. The UK have separated us. Belgium, Germany, they've all separated us from, from mainland Spain. Mm. Ireland which, haven't, which is, no? Ireland haven't. And... You know, Ireland's thing is don't travel. There's nowhere to travel in, in, in Europe that's safe. And that's not true. There actually is. But, you know, they want to keep people in the country. They don't want, they don't want you travelling. But there is there is options out there. Um, so being separated, there's absolutely nothing that we can do here on the ground about that. Yeah. But, you know, hopefully people can see beyond that. There is flights. There is flights coming out of Dublin. There is flights coming out of Belfast. They have been fairly full coming over until recently. Yeah. Um, but until we get more flights on, there's not an awful lot we can do about that. Yeah. The Canaries is, they're bringing in a system and they're, they're trying to bring it in for the start of December to do away with the PCR tests and accept the antigen test okay. to bring the cost down for the traveller. And is that it, that you'd have to have a valid test before you could land, is it, or, or on landing? You would on landing, and I'd say I'd imagine it would be implemented at the airport of of um, that they're leaving from. But it's to try and bring the cost down from the PCR cost down to the antigen test cost. Mm. The That's PCR test is about a hundred quid's worth. The antigen's about yeah. fifteen euro, I think. I think something like that. It might be slightly dearer, but the PCR test on this side going back, I think, is about eighty or ninety euro, mm. and I think the, the antigen test is about thirty. I think is the pricing. I think of it. Yeah. So it make it easier because a lot of people are still travelling, but they won't travel because of the extra cost of the test. Yes. You know, to put to put that on a family of four, you know, you're bringing it up another four hundred euros. That's a colossal amount to add on to holiday. Yeah. So, Something like a lot of people like yourself who who took that gamble 
three or four years ago and went off out to to take up a new life out there. I know that mm. Tracy, your, your partner, also has has business out there. Yeah. It's a big move. Do you, have you ever regretted it during the course of this, Julian, as the economy dried up around you? Absolutely not. It was the best move I ever made. And probably the only regret I have is that I didn't do it sooner mm. um, than when I did do it. Um, it, it, it's, it. I work harder here than I ever worked at home. Yeah. Um, but I, I enjoy going to work again because yeah, I didn't enjoy it at home. I was just felt I was stuck in a rush. I was going nowhere. Costs were just, you know, were colossal all around. Uh, us. I couldn't get a break. And just felt it was never going to improve for me. I was just working to live yeah. that situation. And we just spent a couple of years looking at maybe doing something different. And we saw opportunity here and that, you know, it was a different way of life. Mm. Could it go back to enjoying work and was potential to do more and actually make some money here and, and make a life for ourselves. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's what we've done. I've been fortunate enough to to fall in with a good crowd here that, that own bars and restaurants and yeah. are quite financially sound. Um, there's, a big, and, there's a big Irish community there and a huge Irish business community. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, and unfortunately... Some of them haven't lasted, and and some of them will. And that's that's the way of life, you know, for everybody or all around the world, really, at the moment during this pandemic. And um, but yeah, there's a lot of people have had to left, leave, and go home. There's no doubt about that. The, mm. the, the general population has taken a big hit here. Obviously, I was talking to a musician, yeah, musician a couple of weeks yeah. ago, and for the for the artists that ply their trade in, in the bars, it has been a very very rough year. Yes, absolutely, because there's a different system out here. We get paid by the government um, 70% of our contracted hours. Mm. We'd all would have a contract. The musicians was different, you see, because they weren't on, a lot of them weren't on contracts here. That's right. So they didn't get paid at all. Yeah. Something with 20 quid a week, I think, one, one this, this yeah, lad was telling yeah. me. Yeah. It, it was just they had to go on a social welfare system, which is practically non-existent here and very, very low paid. Yeah. And, yeah, it's horrific what has happened. With, but, I, you know, I imagine it's been hard on the musicians just as much at home as around the world. Yeah, it has. Oh, God, it has been terrible on them here too. Julian, yeah. for people who are looking into 2021 and thinking, right, we sacrificed the holiday in 2020, we took the advice, we didn't go. Some people lost a lot of money on flights and stuff like that. But mm. looking into 2021, what would you say to people who will sit down over Christmas and say, you know, will we take a chance on it in 2021? What would you say? Well, Absolutely. You, Lanzarote and the Canaries is an extremely safe place, even without the vaccine. We seem to have a vaccine coming, which is, you know, is a good thing that the, will, this will be coming to an end. One thing about Lanzarote is you're guaranteed heat, <laughs> you're guaranteed some good food, and you're guaranteed some lovely beaches. So it is definitely worth looking into coming here. All right, okay. You know, definitely. All right, look after yourself. Say hello to Tracy for me and have a good Christmas when it comes. Julian Fair, formerly of the Rochestown Inn in Cork and now running pubs and restaurants in Lanzarote. I am such a jealous man. You're listening to highlights from the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. To hear the full show, download the podcast from iTunes or see 96FM.ie. 
The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. There's a picture on our Twitter now of Roy Keane's visit to Cork Penny Dinners yesterday. That picture was taken in an instant with social distancing observed as best as possible. He just took the mask off to stand with Katrina for the picture before anybody tries to start giving out about it. Besides, I think Roy Keane would go through you for a short cut if you gave out to him about that picture. But great to see him and it's, uh, it's fabulous that we have someone of the stature of Roy Keane who just wanders up to the door of Penny Dinners and pops in to say hello and, and give his time and chat with people whom we have a, a, a global, and he is a global sports megastar uh, of the, uh, the uh, calibre of Roy Keane. It just wanders up like that and says hello. It's great. It's something that sets us apart, not just as Irish people, but as Cork people. And it is great to see. 1857 the number, the text to WhatsApp 083. 396-9696 your email opinion at 96fm.ie Facebook is of course the course 96fm Facebook page pop us a message there market for the attention of the opinion line Twitter is at opinion line 96 and our hashtag is OL96 now before we finish this week with the show we have to find out what exactly was going on here cough in my thumb oh. just cough in my thumb and here. Oh God, did that just sound like it sounded? Okay, the answers to all of that later this hour. But first of all, I got a letter or a message during the week from my old pal, Michael Mason, old Chris Reboy, just like myself. And he's now the gaffer at the cuhcharity.ie. And he was telling me, about the Breda McGrath Memorial Fund and they're looking for some help with it and I said, you know what, we'll, we'll be happy uh, to speak about the Breda McGrath Memorial Fund. Let's speak with Professor Seamus O'Reilly, a consultant medical oncologist at the Mercy. Seamus, good morning to you. He is here. Hi Seamus. Thanks for helping us out. And not so delighted to have you. Tell me about the Breda McGrath Fund. What is it? So Breda was an accountant and she passed away a few years ago and her family raised money in her memory. And our, our studies with the uh, Daffodil Centre the, from the Irish Cancer Society in CUH had shown that financial hardship was significant for patients with cancer. They had experienced loss of income and, and also they also experienced an increase in expenses. So the Breda McGrath Fund was designed, was set up to provide financial support to patients with cancer and their families who are undergoing cancer treatment in our hospital. And uh, the money is, the patient's names are submitted by our nursing and social work and medical staff and allied health staff. And then vouchers are admitted, are, are, are given out to patients uh, um, and on, through the fund uh, to help out. We've really focused on Christmas because that's a time when there's increased expenditure. We've also focused on back to school in, in August when there's also issues with increased expenditure. Um, COVID has been a really difficult time for many families. We have many people out of work who had previously worked all their lives yeah. and we're very conscious that it's been a really difficult time. So this year we have made this our Christmas focus. So we've identified over 60 patients that would benefit from the fund and the plan is to that those patients and their families will receive one-for-all vouchers for over 200 euros next week and, uh, and the week after. Excellent. We're yeah. asking that that will significantly deplete our fund. 
we're asking the people of Cork if they would like to donate to a, a charitable event or a charity at Christmas to think of the Breed and McGrath Fund at the CUH charity. The, the funds that go to the charity, to this fund, will then go out to patients with cancer and their families who are experiencing financial hardship. It will sustain the fund uh, and it will be of enormous benefit to people at a very vulnerable time of their lives on two fronts. A, because they've got cancer and are going through cancer treatment yeah. and B, because of the of the strains of the COVID pandemic for them. Of course, when you have cancer and no matter how good the prognosis and it, it's it, just so encouraging to see year in, year out, the prognosis gets better for so many cancers when they're discovered early. But no matter yes. how good the prognosis and how good the treatment, there's always the fact that you probably won't be able to work for a while and and financial, financially it is going to be a, a rough old time. What supports are there for people, Professor? So the Irish Cancer Society has been very helpful. They have a, a patient support helpline we have a social worker on our, on our, in our service who also assists patients and their families to let them know of the services and entitlements that they're available to. MABs are also very helpful. Uh, at our, I'm involved, very involved in our house, and in our house we've had uh, people who've worked in the civil service and with MABs who have been volunteered with us to help patients with families, cancer and their families, navigate the, the uh, entitlement arena and navigate the financial arena in terms of getting support. So there's, there's support on multiple levels. I think it's very important that uh, people realise that they're not alone. Cancer is a lonely illness. Uh, uh, financial stress is a hugely lonely illness also, or a lonely, hugely lonely time. Mm. And, well, the and stress, of, the, the stress of being short of money on, on top of the stress of dealing with cancer, I can't imagine the, the pressure that puts a family under. It's uh, yeah. I, uh, I my father worked for the post office, and they went on strike for four for four months, and there was no strike pay, and that was a very sobering, harsh uh, uh, learning lesson for me as a child, and and that's why I feel this fund is very important because I've seen what it's like to look out and see nothing, and I and I, I know that the generosity of people at at the time when dad was on strike made a huge difference to 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 our family and uh, and I, I realize that and I, I think it's important for for listeners who are hearing this who might be thinking of donating at at christmas period to people who are less fortunate than them to make to make them realize that this will have an enormous impact on families in our community this christmas if somebody does want to donate to the Breeding McGrath memorial fund how can they do it contact the cuh they can email the cuh charity um, they can send in a check with Breed and McGrath Fund at the top of the check uh, and it will go straight to the fund and we'd be very grateful for it and we will acknowledge any donation received. Okay. Just on a, on a separate issue for a moment, if you wouldn't mind, Professor O'Reilly, COVID-19 has taken over our, our discussion of health this year. Yes. Um, and we hear constantly about, about the, the trying to keep uh, the, the battle with cancer going yeah. at, the, at the same time. Has it affected your work, for example, as an oncologist? Yes. So, several fronts. The first is there's huge concerns about patient safety in the pandemic and keeping people COVID-free. Um, so we've changed our structures in our clinics. We've changed the, the day ward layouts. We've expanded our day wards, all with a view to patient safety. We have enormous concerns about patients minding their cancers at home and not coming for medical attention because they're concerned that the healthcare is not a safe environment to be seen. That's not true. Healthcare has changed completely in the last six months 
and, and the focus of care when they come to see us is getting a diagnosis, getting a treatment plan established and, and for that, all of that to be in a safe environment for them. So I would encourage people who think they might have something wrong at, out there listening to seek medical attention. Because there's a narrative out there, particularly on social media, that there's nothing available except COVID treatment right now. That's just not true. No, and the reason for the lockdown and for the, these, uh, the lockdown measures is so that the burden of COVID in the community is low so that our services can continue to function normally. Our waiting times for people getting chemotherapy and getting scans and getting surgery is the same as it was pre-COVID because of all of the measures of it that have been put in place. In, in, a, in, in an Ebola epidemic, that non-Ebola non mortality quadruples Everybody's aware of that in a kind of in a pandemic like this, that we really need to keep our eye on the ball on non-COVID care yeah. because that's vulnerable. And there, there's been huge emphasis on that. Yeah. In the first lockdown, I think March, April, it was a case of let's get this thing under control and everything else got pushed to one side. That wasn't right. the case this time. No, I think that I think. Well, first of all, there was enormous fear the first time that we would be more in Italy than in Germany in terms of the impact, the overwhelm that our health service would be overwhelmed. That thankfully didn't happen, which is wonderful. Uh, but now I think that there's a real focus in in our in our hospitals and healthcare environments of keeping things going as normal as possible. When in February of of this year, sixty thousand people were on a waiting list to see a consultant in Cork. That has increased with COVID. We have to function properly as a healthcare service to keep to bring that number down, and the only way we can do that is to reduce COVID in the community so that our hospitals can function normally. All right, listen. Thank you for your time and and for the work that you do with so many people and their families. And one more time, if people want to make a donation to the Breda McGrath Memorial Fund, it's the email at CUH Charity, isn't it? Yes. So Google CUH Charity is the first thing they can they can do, and that will give the details. Or send in a, in a check to CUH Charity at Cork University Hospital. Put the Breed and McGrath Fund on the top of the check, uh, or go online to the website to donate. All right. And, and we we and just can I just finish by saying thank you to those who are considering donation. And any donation will be, no matter how big or how small, is wonderfully received. Okay. Many thanks to you and your team, Professor Seamus O'Reilly. And what they want to do with this money is families affected by cancer. Someone's going through cancer treatment in the family. They might be the main breadwinner going through cancer treatment. It doesn't matter how good the prognosis is. It doesn't matter how good the treatment is. If you've no money coming into the house, that makes it even harder again. So what they want to do is give a load of one-for-all vouchers to a load of families. And that is going to deplete their fund. So they want you, if you can afford it, to make a donation. CUHcharity.ie is where you'll get all the direction as to how you... How you get the money in. 1850-715-996. News just come in from the Port of Cork. The Port of Cork is to add a second weekly call from Cork to Zebrugge to cope with the increasing demand on their current route. This is a cargo cargo vessel from Cork to Zebrugge. Goes once a week. They're adding a second to cope with increasing demand. This, of course, is all Brexit-based stuff. All Brexit-based stuff. The land bridge, the UK land bridge, will be banjaxed once Brexit happens, at least for a while. So there's many other ways now to get to Europe. They're looking at new ways to get to Europe, quicker ways to get to Europe that avoid the whole uh, Brexit debacle. And the Port of Cork has a second, to be a second trip 
weekly from Cork to Zeebrugge to cope with increasing freight demand. That's from the Port of Cork this morning. 1857-15996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Seeing some pictures on Barrick Street. Impassable to vehicles. There was some Garda operation in Barrick Street in the last while. If there's anything more to that, we'll certainly bring it to you. 1850-715-996. All right. We need to explain what those strange noises were that we played at the top of the hour. What, I mean, what exactly could they be anyway? Denise Curtin, digital letter of Stellar Magazine. Explain the madness to me again. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning, everything. <laughs> Listening to that clip, I'm I'm laughing again. Oh my god. AJ, AJ, AJ. Yes. He's the one screaming down the cave. What's going on there? Yes, he was doing a trial and all of a sudden he was just screaming, Jess, Jess, Jess. He was doing the trial with uh, Jessica Plummer, the former EastEnders actor. And um, yeah, he was absolutely petrified. And it's funny because we haven't seen, last week I was saying to you, we hadn't seen much of AJ on the screen. Things haven't really changed in that sense. He's he's done a trial and he's having a lot of controversy over uh, dishes and cleaning around the castle. But um it was it was funny to see him uh, scream the place down when he was uh, put doing a trial with Jessica. It was very hilarious to watch. I'll, I'll get to the other clips in a second, but let's talk about the trials because it hit the papers during the week now, to be honest. Those of us who are cynical kind of knew anyway. It hit the papers during the week, Denise, that he may well have got a run through. Yeah, there, there was talks that they were getting to do the trials before anything went filming and that... They were getting to see like different elements of how the trials are done. But a spokesperson for I'm a Slev did come out and said that what happens is that they get told all the intricacies of the trial so that when viewers go to watch it, they're not stuck on padlocks or they're not questioning, oh, wait, is it this way or am I meant to turn left or what way again? They denied all aspects of them actually getting to do a run through of each trial. But uh, yeah, I think people are definitely... A- a bit more tuned in this year and a bit more cynical of like the ongoings of what's going on because the timing is different you know they're not in Australia it's now filmed all throughout the night so yeah there's there's a lot of things to factor in but I'm a celeb said that there is no run-through and that they don't get to practice them but they are told about the trials yet which is kind of half the same thing really it's yeah. supposed to be a surprise. It was supposed to be. I know this. We're just unleashing this upon you now. Clip that on there. Put on your glasses and crawl in. So even telling them what's in there is kind of cheating. There's another story was going around as well that there's central heating in the place. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, people were thinking because, of course, it's filmed in North Wales. People were like, "But should it look very warm the whole time? Is the weather in in Wales not meant to be freezing?" But then Anton Deck came out and they said that. 
all of the campmates are freezing the entire time and that they said that they've actually got chills in their bones, that even when they're running around all day doing different tasks and so on and so forth, that even when they go to bed that night, there's still a chill in their bones because it's so cold they in the They don't look it, do they? They don't look it, no, no. They definitely certainly don't. And even they, they're they very well at keeping the weather out of out of shot as well. You know, it constantly looks like it's quite dry and quite mild, but mm. apparently that's not the case. Have they put a cover on it? Have they put up some kind of a canopy? Yeah, they have a cover on a lot of the different areas where they shoot simply to stop wind and to stop things that would interfere with you know, the sound and the lighting, but um, apparently as much as they can is the same in terms of, like, the cold and the elements and so on for, for the contestants. Mm, this is interesting. There was another challenge that uh, we had. That was the one at the end of it. First of all, what the hell is wrong with Alfie's thumb? He'll yeah. always be Alfie to me. What the hell is wrong with Alfie's thumb? And what was she drinking? Yeah, I know, I know. I think out of all the challenges I've seen so far, the sickening stalls was without a shadow of a doubt, the hardest one to watch. Um, poor Jessica again with Shane Ritchie. Um, yeah, it, it's a lot of blended drinks. So what they were told to drink was a lot of blended different insects, bugs, different <laughs> mixtures put into the mix. But every drink ended up looking either a, a kind of thick cream colour or yeah. else dark brown. So not, not the most appealing Kind of milky at the top and then kind of yucky at the bottom. Yeah, yeah, not not There's something chicken's feet in it. Like, what's the point? <laughs> I know. Yeah, I but know. she she did the sound effects really well. And come here. Um, is there some alert as well on wildlife fronts that uh, there is there concern that they brought in some strange creatures and creepy crawlies that are not native to Abergele? Who'd have known that are not native to Abergele and they're afraid they might escape into into the wild. Yeah, we're getting, we're seeing a lot of uh, complaints come in about everything to do with the animals and animal welfare on the show because, of course, you know, it, a lot of the challenges, practically all of them, really involve different types of wildlife and different types of bugs and insects. But again, you know, I'm a slep have come out and they said that they're taking every precaution that can be necessary and that they're working with different mm-hmm. types of welfare groups, both in North Wales and in Australia, where they would have close contacts with from the previous years to make sure everything with the animals is done to the utmost, you know, level of like carefulness and everything. But um yeah, there is there is a lot of there there is a lot of kind of grey areas you could say, I think, with the animals or, in the show. Or is it just to be fair, is it just that with each passing year we people get more and more picky and narky and cranky about anything that's put on the television to entertain us? I mean, I think that could be part of it as well, you know, more people have tuned into I'm a Sled this year than ever before. I think we had a record 12 million viewers yeah. on the first episode. They're saying the Welsh but move has saved the show, actually. Yeah, yeah. I I think the jury for me is still out in that one. I did love the whole Australian set, but I think the the one in North Wales is put together better. I think as a, as a package it is put together better. But um, once the eliminations start now, I'll, I'll think about it When again. will they start? Who do you think will be first? Oh, God, I'm thinking it's going to be Holly Arnold or Ruthie Henshaw, according to people on Twitter anyway. They seem to be the big two tipped 
to be the first voted out. So, yeah, it's 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 going to be an interesting one to see. Jordan North, who we were talking about last week, he's still uh, pipped as a favourite. This, is, this is, is... Happy place, happy place! Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it is, it is. There's a range still, of T-shirts, I think, being... <laughs> Yeah, I know he's he's started a mass movement. You know, happy places now is now what everyone's saying when they want to shoot themselves Please. somewhere else. You know. Yeah, I know, I know. Who'll win it? Do you think? Yeah, I think it's going to be Jordan North, or I could see Giovanna Fletcher uh, taking it away. I'm 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 putting my bets on the two of them. Well, not Alfie from the Queen Vic, no. I don't know. I, I think Alfie can be quite controversial, so I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure where he's going to stand, but yeah. people do love him. He's, he's an entertainer. He, I, I find him very entertaining and funny, and he kind of, the only thing is he tends to dominate the scenes he's in. Yeah, I think he reminds me a lot of like a grumpy dad. He's got that kind of aesthetic, yeah. you know, he really, he, he can be kind of nitpicky about stuff, but he has a good heart. He's a Victor Meldrew there, I think. Yeah, <laughs> you can tell that through the show. So, yeah, people do like him. And, you know, you need people like him in the show because they give it a bit of fire and they keep it going. So, mm. yeah. And how's, how's Bev doing? Bev is doing well. Yeah, she's doing really, really well. She's quite a character and it's nice to see how much she's come into her own as well. You know, she's cracked a lot of jokes and she's got a lot of people laughing and engaged in her stories, you know. So, yeah, no, she's doing good too. Because if someone's made an iconic character in a soap like, say, Carnation Theater EastEnders, when people when they when they go on a show like this, then people are looking. Though, how will they be? How how like their character will they be? Yeah, yeah, no, and she's proven, you know, because a lot of the time, if you do love a character on a show, sometimes, like you were saying, when they're a contestant on another show, you start to see them in a different light, and you might not like them as much. But she's been loved across the board, which is great to see. Um, she she has a very warming personality, and she gets on with all the rest of the campmates, yeah. which is you know key as well. So when is the first when is the first booting out? It's looking like tonight. So they've been quite hush hush with everything so far in terms of elimination, but it's looking like we're going to see the first celeb voted out tonight. Okay. All right, we'll talk maybe again next week on the madness that is I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. It's on tonight, 9 o'clock, Virgin Media 1. Thanks very much to Denise Curtin, editor, digital editor of Stellar Magazine. Yes, it's mad. Yes, it's crazy. Yes, I would run screaming from the room at least halfway through it, looking for my sanity back. But it's entertaining and it's fun and a lot of people like it. And you know what? There's so much going on around us at the moment between bar, when the bar's open, when the restaurant's open, what did Neffet say, what did the government say, what did the say... It's a little bit of a break from all that. Tonight, being toy show night, a lot of Christmas trees have already gone up and there seems to be a bit of a run on Christmas trees this year. Real Christmas trees. As our Fiona has been finding out. Do you prefer real or artificial, big or small, white lights or all the colours of the rainbow? The Christmas tree is loved by people all over the world. And I've been to the Cork Christmas Tree Farm in Ovens to chat to Finton Reardon about what makes these trees so special. You have to share them, you have to bud pick them, you have to fertilise them. You have to do all different kind of techniques to get the shape right. How do you do that? Um, so it all starts with spacing. The When you plant them, you got to plant them at a certain space. You don't want them 
too far because they'll just naturally get too wide. You don't want them too close either because they'll, um, you know, they're going into each other and then they're not getting the, the right sunlight. Finton has been busy cutting trees here over the past few weeks and says the demand is bigger this year. People are inquiring much earlier than getting calls since the start of October. So, you know, it's very obvious everyone's very eager to celebrate Christmas earlier. Um, and there's a lot of, I guess, a lot of interest from people who've never had Christmas trees, re- real Christmas trees before. So they're, they're also very eager and very excited, uh, which is good. Uh, I suppose people have a, a bit more time as well, maybe this year compared to other years. I've been asking people on the streets of Cork about their preference. An artificial tree is up already. <laughs> Oh, artificial tree, yeah. Why do you prefer the artificial trees? Because you just do them once, you have no more to do, you're done, (laughs) finished. Some people like the smell of the real tree, is that something that would interest you? No, no, I don't like it at all. A real tree. We like to, we like to smell of it. Always put up a real tree. Artificial. To be honest, like, it's just what we've done, you know, all our lives. So it's just that's what we always did. <laughs> so <laughs> no, I'd like. I sometimes I would like a real tree, you know, because they're they're like they look nicer. Like, but yeah. no, we have the artificial tree, so it's grand. <laughs> a real tree. Oh, always. always. I love the smell. Yeah, that's Christmas for us. (laughs) And many families will be decorating their Christmas trees tonight, which marks a very special date on the Christmas calendar. My smallest fella loves to have it up at the toy show. So the toy show is Friday, so I was uh, summoned. My daughter and the grandkids, yeah, she's got hers up ready for the toy show. Yeah, all ready. They love it. They love it. We watch it every year, so it's kind of like a tradition, really. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. To be fair, usually we don't put our tree up until the eight. You know, the eight, because of my nan, she's the tradition that that's what she used to. But um, we will definitely have it up this year anyway for the toy show, so it'll be nice. So for this Friday, the click and collect and the deliveries are, it's overwhelming. It's, it's really overwhelming compared to last year or any other year. Again, I suppose it goes back to, you know, a lot of people want to celebrate, you know, earlier this year. And for anyone who's getting a real tree for the first time, Finton has this advice. Don't put it up too early. Even if you want to buy your tree early, you know, at least even keep it outside in a bucket of water until you're ready to put the tree up. A water stand will help a lot. Um, the water stands, you should definitely get a water stand. We supply you know, a couple of different water stands. Um, also, make sure it's a fresh tree. Um, ask, ask when when it was caught. People can buy a tree directly from the farm in ovens or at the tree shop on Centre Park Road in the city and they can contact the Cork Christmas Tree Farm website for further information. Is the tree up yet in Corcoran Towers? No, but it is going up either tonight or tomorrow. I promised the kids that we'd put it up tonight for the toy show. So, <laughs> yeah. For, would you normally put it up four weeks out? Um, no, but um, I think they're getting to an age now. Like Charlie is six, and um, he was asking me last weekend to put it up, and I just said absolutely no way. It's far too early. And then we met some of his friends, and they were saying, "Oh, we're putting our tree up, and we're putting it up for the toy show." So I said, "Look," and I relented, and I said, "Yeah, yeah, okay, we'll do it now." This. And what weekend. age is Nancy now? She is three, so right. she kind of doesn't really get it yet. Um, no, she's still trying to climb it. <laughs> yeah, and I love uh, the two of them want to decorate the tree, and they. 
they end up putting everything all in a big clump at the bottom of the tree. And last year, like I used to be quite particular about the way I dressed the tree. It would be very tastefully done. So I was sitting there biting my hand going, oh God, look at the state of the tree. And um, when they went to bed last year, I redecorated the whole thing. Of course thing. you did. But they noticed Control it freak last year. that you are, yes. <laughs> they noticed it last year and they were all upset. So I had to just leave it the way it was. So I think it's just going to be like that for the next few years. Yes, that's what it is. Yeah, And if you put it up your way, they'll move it their way. And that's, that's fine it. too. Have you a dog by any chance? No. Because the dog will redecorate the tree all of its own. If I tell you that. Are you a real tree person or a plant? Um, I, um, I, I love the real tree. My mm. mum always had a real tree in the house when we were growing up and still does. Um, and I bought same an artificial one, of course, tree. Isn't it? Yeah. Gavin, yeah. Same one. <laughs> we just planted it in the garden, <laughs> cut it down every year. But um, no, I bought an artificial tree about 10 years ago. But um, last year I put that up and I got a small little real tree in a pot and I did actually plant that one in the garden <laughs> but this you year you take the now, girl out of Gavin <laughs> but this year I really after being at the Christmas tree farm and I was like a child driving up to it <laughs> it was so exciting and um, I think this year now I'm going to have to get a real tree as well as the artificial tree and have two trees good this is the first of a few little festive Yes, yes. Um, I think um, I had this idea that I would do for the next couple of weeks some um, features on Christmas and call it Fiona Gets Festive and I'm doing it because uh, I love Christmas <laughs> as you might be able to gather um, but also I think everyone has had such a bad year this year and we've had an awful lot of doom and gloom in the news and I think it's nice to just bring some joy into people's lives through my three minute <laughs> festive report so listen out for Fiona Gets Festive um, probably every Friday but if I can uh, slide it in every day I will oh I know I know that's the thing you will I, I know what you're like and I'm the same I'm the biggest child of all and let me tell you something right I know Terry's only here a while he's the biggest Christmas child of all time do you have your tree up yet no god no when, no, no. What, when will that be going I have a painter in the house at the moment so oh. as soon as I'm rid of the painter the tree will go up I Real might just or artificial oh we have three <laughs> we have three we have we have the real one in the front room the big one it's yeah. always too big I end up buying half a forest and then <laughs> we have a thing in the den the second room called the bear tree which is decorated with bears oh, uh, yeah like little it. teddy bears it's from the kids but you know it's for the and then in the kitchen we started putting a Christmas tree in the kitchen a couple of years ago it's my mum's old Christmas tree oh, that she gave to us it's an artificial one you need a degree in engineering to put it together it's one of these <laughs> build it yourself ones we, so we have three trees in the house lovely lovely we, you, stopped, we, stopped, putting the, we stopped putting the inflatable snowman on the roof because <laughs> when you turn it when you turn him off at night right it looks, <laughs> it looks like a kind of a discarded inside the house <laughs> but yeah but my so. husband always says because I love Christmas obviously and I have lights everywhere in the house but I always fall asleep first I always fall asleep at half nine watching TV and go off to bed then but he ends up then having to turn everything off and he says it's like switching off Disneyland at night time when he's going to there bed it takes ages listen but, Fiona we look forward to talking to you over the next couple of weeks and indeed congratulations on your debut on the executive research desk where you join us today that's our Fiona people were on me at Twitter last night to play a Christmas song kind of not supposed to just yet it's kind of get the password for the music library but I figured if Casey and Ross can do it then I can do it here's one so this is Christmas And what have you done Another year over And you won't just be gone 
Yoko Ono and the Plastic Ono Band. First Christmas song on the Opinion Line for 2020. That's Happy Christmas. War is over to kick off Fiona's festive packages, which will be with us over the next couple of weeks. And I'll play that especially for, for Finney and for Mags, who've been speculating as to what tune I would actually play. I'd love to play the Spaceman 1, Finney, so I would. And Mags had other ideas. Actually, all of your favourite festive hits are now available over on Cork's 96 Must through the app or on the website. Cork's 96 Must back on again for another year and I will be making an appearance on Cork's 96 Must. So watch that space. Check out Saturday afternoon, all right, on Cork's 96 1850-715-996. John says, play all the Christmas songs I want. It's the, if the other two can do it, so can I. Well, that's why I decided to do it. To hell with the rules. It's four weeks to Christmas. Now, it's time. It is well and truly time. It is time also for the toy show. And here is how you send in an audition to get yourself onto the Late Late Toy Show. This is Classy, Thomas's best friend. This is Edward, uh, Thomas's friend. His main job to do is take goods up to Brendan Box. Classy's trained in Thomas and Friends are Con and Caitlin. I will ask Santa for for the whole new flying Scotsman. I hope I'm on your show, Ryan. Bye! That's the audition that Aidan Pinto got from Ryan, or sent to Ryan, and he will be on the show tonight, and we caught up as he was getting ready to go. Aidan, we saw the demo that you sent off to Ryan, and it's no wonder he picked you. I'd have picked you if it was my choice. But tell me about you and and trains. Okay. I'm I was born in 2012 in Cork City, Ireland. I'm eight years old. Yes. My parents were born in India. And my sister was the first baby in Cork City 2020. The first baby of 2020. Yes, and second in Ireland. Brilliant. So tell me about Thomas the Tank Engine. Okay, Thomas the Tank Engine is 75 years old. Ever since he was created back in 1945, even though Thomas's first first appearance, first book appearance was back in 1946. And when did you start following Thomas the Tank Engine? About when I was either two or three or four. Four, and you saw it on the telly, did you? Yes. Yes. And tell me, how many trains do you have now? About 157. Thomas, the tank engine trains? Yes. You have all the gear and all the sets? No, I don't have all the sets, apparently. Because apparently I don't have the original Thomas with Noelle merchandise. I don't have the Thomas one merchandise, thank God. But you're collecting? Yes. Okay. What are you going to be doing on the toy show? What job have they given you to do? I'm just going to show them my toys. That's it. Do you think they'll have a a train there for you to play with? Uh, Yes. Are you looking forward to meeting Ryan? Yes. Yes. Come in there, Mom, for a second. This collection of trains. When did he get his first one? I'd say when he was about two years old. What was my first one? Thomas. Which Thomas? Wooden Thomas. He got he got wooden Thomas when he was when he was one. 
about two, I say. Two, two, right, right. And I know because we had, we had a lot of Thomases in in my house when my kids were small. How many does he have now? I say he has about over three hundred. I say. He he thinks he is only about one hundred and fifty, but he's got more than that. <laughs> Well, now, this is one of the hair collection now. Uh, oh, oh, get away. I'm now looking, just for the listeners, I'm looking at a shelf, and that shelf has got easily a hundred small little trains on it, small little Thomas the Tank Engine miniatures on it, and they whole trains and carriages and engines, and, oh, they're brilliant. They're absolutely brilliant. And that's just one shelf. That's the one shelf, and then we'll have to take his own collection now to the toy show. So yes. there's a over three hundred about, I say, but they're in the boxes now. Good to go to the. Oh, so they're all going. Yes. <laughs> oh, now I get it. So Ryan was so impressed with the tape he sent mm-hmm. that he wants yeah. to see them all in studio, lined up. How long is it going to take you to line them up, Aiden? Probably about over 32 minutes. 30 minutes? Yeah. Good. You're looking forward to it? Yeah. All right. Well, that's Aiden and his mum chatting to me uh, about him heading off to the toy show. We couldn't not uh, hark back to the interview though that Tubbs did with the lads on breakfast before we finish out today it's Toy Show Friday, enjoy it, sit down, have the cocoa, put on the jammies, light the fire, put up the tree and enjoy the uh, Toy Show tonight and that's it from us for another week, leave you with a clip from Casey and Ross in the morning with Ryan Tuberty, programme edited by Terry Brennan, produced and researched today by Fiona Corcoran and we'll see you Monday just after nine This has been a very bizarre year, Ryan. The, I recall back in March when, when all this COVID crack emerged, people were worried about, oh God, we might not have a St. Patrick's Day. Um, we, mm-hmm. we won't have a Paddy's Day. And people thought that that was going to be the damage uh, for yeah. COVID-19 in 2020. Here we are all these months later. And then the rumours started to roll out a couple of months ago. Uh, the toy show is going to be cancelled. It has to be cancelled. Not even a global pandemic can take you down. Gosh, no, um, <laughs> no the, I'm, I'm like a... A cockroach. Uh, I will <laughs> yeah. survive this thing. If there's no one else alive, that'd be me going, ah, yeah. ah, 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 whatever noise, a cock, I don't know what noise they make, but it, it, it sounds like that. Yeah. And, and we, we did say we had a totally different plan for the toy shop until around the middle of March. And then middle of March came, we saw the clouds gather and we said, okay, we're going to keep this going. And I, I kind of joked before that even if it's me standing in front of my phone with a jigsaw, You're going to there do will it. be a yeah. toy show. And I really meant that. Uh, but as it happens, uh, they pull together like I've never seen anything happen before. And it is just incredible, the uh, just the cleverness of it and the determination to get this right. And just judging from the reaction from people uh, out and about the place, it's not that they want the toy show. They, they need, need it. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, because it's been such a grim year. And this is the biggest splash of colour. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the one that they couldn't cancel. This is the one the pandemic couldn't get. This is the one that the virus wasn't allowed to raise. And we weren't going to let it happen. And thankfully tonight... Do you have a favourite moment over the years? Well, I, 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 I love... You see, what's happened is the toy show stopped being a toy show in some ways and became a kid's show. A, yeah. really, a real kind programme. And there was a lovely anti-bullying message last year that I loved with Sophia telling us about her story. And it was very, very... 
I just thought it, it it probably touched a lot of kids around the place and adults who had a bad time once upon a time. And I yeah. loved that because she was strong. She said, people think I'm a weirdo. And then she looked into the camera and said, and I'm on the toy show. Who's the weirdo now? <laughs> yeah. Like, yes. Yeah. Um, I, I love those kids. I love the kids who aren't the same as everyone else. The, yeah. same, the same is very boring, Casey. The yeah, same is. is a flock of sheep in a field. I, I'd be more interested in the different creatures who make a bit of an effort. To, and, and he's then, one of the most different creatures of them all and great. And one thing he's damn good at is that toy show. And we look forward to seeing it tonight at around about half past nine. Our winner with Sanitize Ireland Natural Solutions today is Credentials Green Pitfalls Scene. Well done to Leone O'Regan in Wilton and to the lady who rang up and was a little bit upset on the phone I will read your message possibly Monday I don't quite have time today but that's it we'll see it we're done we're out of here Selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.